Hello and welcome to the Weather of the Mind podcast. I'm your host, Doug Krish. I hope this finds you well. Today's reminder, as Plato said, be kind because everyone is fighting a battle. Be kind because everyone is fighting a battle. And I often wonder about how similar our battles are. Our anxieties, our depressions, our addictions, our challenges, our slumps, our our hustle, our, you know, we're all wonderful individuals, but also alive at the same time, the same time in human history. Isn't that good for some camaraderie of spirit? Well, today I'm, we're bringing you uh, part two of my interview with Elisa S. Keeler. And I remind you, her website is elisamusic.com. And she is an excellent community music teacher working on teaching community workshops, engaging us in singing songs together again. Good work, good work for the human spirit. And uh, let's get on with that interview. Next week, we have 28 Up, a documentary review. And in two weeks, we have our first a book club meeting. The book club is The Self-Driven Child. The Self-Driven Child. And that is by Stixrud and Johnson. S-T-I-X-R-U-D. Stixrud and Johnson. Quite a name. All right. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, Much love. And uh, on to today's main event. I'm sitting here with Lisa S. Keeler. And I wanted to begin the second part of our conversation by asking her about this album she has put out. Soul of the Earth, Multicultural Songs for the Circle. So let's uh, jump in there. Please tell us about this new album. Yes, so I started to get the vision for this album um, when I was finishing up my master's degree. And what, what had happened was I was in a, it was a global master's program and I had classmates from all over the world and once a year we'd fly into this retreat center in California mm-hmm. and we do these six-day seminars and somehow every time I was being invited to lead workshops for these classmates all over the world and people started to say I want to do a Skype sessions with you or will you do a teacher training program you know we want to learn to lead like this in our in our communities and so I did several Skype sessions with people that lived other places, and I kind of tune into what kind of groups of people they'd be working with. And so I started, I thought, well, really I should have an album so that these people could have the album and they can use that as their guide. Um, and so I started to create a teaching manual at that time as well, because I had a really set curriculum for my singing class at the time. You know, I taught things like the body is an instrument. I do two sessions on that. I would do two sessions on unison and harmony singing and like the formula for finding harmonies you know just practical skills i did um two sessions on singing as a spiritual practice and toning practices that you could do in the body two sessions on improvisation which i called as the the art of becoming a vessel like the letting go go. it's the art of letting go and just kind of so it felt like it had this very set curriculum with very specific songs that went with each lesson and um, again, I taught that workshop for 10 years, but it felt like it start, it's time to start writing this curriculum down, and then maybe other people would want a guide to, to be able to share in their communities. So that's something that's a work in progress. You said a work in progress. Uh, yeah, what are some of the things uh, five years, 10 years down the road? 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> what a question. Yeah, so I've really been, you know, I, th- I think it's really important to reevaluate your path periodically. And I've been in a big phase of that this year. Like once a year or like once a month? You know, I'd say like maybe I'd say twice a year. So okay. I noticed naturally in myself that there was a big reevaluation right before the school year started, like mm-hmm. the end of August. Another big reevaluation in January. Okay. So that's just naturally what I felt moved to do. Um, you know, so I asked myself these two questions. And one was like, well, what would I want to move more in the direction of? And I let myself journal about it. But then I asked the, another question, what does life want for me? Like a surrender, like I could say what I want, but what does life want? And really try to tune in again in a more meditative way. What does life want for me? And so I felt, I feel like I'm getting this answer about moving more and more into workshop facilitation. I've been a private voice teacher for 16 years. Mm -hmm. And while I love those connections, it feels like there's something about group work and the therapeutic benefits of the group. So seems like I'm moving more into that. I'm hoping to visit, I've been visiting more cities and offering the Freeing Your Voice workshop like a one day or two day I do like a one day workshop I'm going to be in Burlington Vermont next month I just was in Rochester earlier this month and so just a one day thing and if people sorry if people wanted to find out your workshops or find or connect with you and invite you to their city how would they best contact you is there a website yeah so it's Alisa music Alisa Music, E L I S A music. Yeah, that's dot com. All right, it's alisamusic.com. and so people can read about the different offerings because they also do a weekend retreat, Mm. and so I think that's the direction is is more workshops, more retreats. You know, I are I am working about once a month at Light on the Hill Retreat Center as a facilitator out there. You know, I think it'd be great to bring this workshop to places like Kripalu and Omega. That's probably like the big dream right now. Oh, a bigger retreat places yes. that already exist. Have the, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I would love those opportunities to spread more of this music and more of this joy. So, and I've been locally also doing quite a bit of work in the schools. Um, I didn't mention yet my Music for Unity and Social Change program. Yeah. Tell us about that. So this is a school-based uh, program? Yeah. So I designed... Um, Uh, workshop series and all school assembly for public schools and this was actually also an idea that came out of my master's work and it started off that um, I'm from Syracuse and my my dad was actually the commissioner of community and economic development for the city of Syracuse in retirement years he was kind of working on a project to help address high school dropout rates Mm -hmm. which in Syracuse are about 50% And so he was talking to me about this, and I was realizing I have this group that I sing with. It's a diverse a cappella vocal group. Um, One of our singers, Shyla, completed a PhD from Cornell University, and she's a great inspiration when she tells her story and kind of her upbringing and her life and then achieving that, that big accomplishment. I thought to myself, we have these diverse role models that are demonstrating commitment to education. Let's find a way to bring this vocal group into the schools. And so um, so I launched a program called Music for Unity and Social Change. It has its own website, musicforunity.org. And so you can learn about our team. But we sing, but we also bring in music and movement lessons that connect to the core curriculum. For example, we've designed a whole workshop series that connects music and movement to fourth and fifth grade social studies curriculum. They do a Native American unit. They do an African and Latino unit in third grade. They do a civil rights movement and a human rights curriculum 
And we hook into all of that through songs. I bring in instruments, we bring in dances, we get the kids up moving and dancing. And it really, I think a goal is like cultivating an appreciation of diversity, but also so many of the kids in, in schools are gonna learn better through the experience of singing, moving, dancing, chants. It's gonna help all the information integrate in a deeper way. Absolutely. And we're seeing this really shine. So we've done all school assemblies. We've done four session workshop series. We're gonna be going to Ithaca High School and doing a two day workshop series there. If you had to, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of when is the best age to work with people if there is certain spots that are better or worse, like high school students versus fourth and fifth graders versus kindergartners versus 25-year-olds versus 45-year-olds, we all need to sing, we all need to connect, but have you learned anything about different age groups? Yeah, I have. So one of my greatest joys is like if we get an invitation to come somewhere, if I get an invitation, I love knowing, okay, what what age am I working with? And I, I love tailoring what I do to that age group. And because I studied music ed and we did kindergarten through 12th grade, I have a sense, you know, mm-hmm. I taught pre-K and I taught third grade in high school. I sort of have an understanding of what's going to hit. And so, yeah, you know, for really little kids, for me, the emphasis is on appreciation of diversity. That's my goal mm-hmm. in the back. And so what do I do is I bring in fun movement songs that they can all learn and dance and sing. And From all around the world. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like I bring in my Native American flutes and my frame drums and my African instruments and my instruments from South America and let them try them and get their hands on them. And so, you know, but it's all, you got to keep those kids moving to keep their attention. You know, every five minutes, let's keep get up, let's yeah. move a dance, let's sit down, let's play these instruments. And so I found a way to keep it moving with them. Fourth and fifth graders, I would say we can start to get into deeper topics, into social justice topics about how we're treating one another in the world. Or, you know, even I connect a lesson on, the, you know, Native American culture, Native American music, and um, how we treat the environment. And you ask these kids, what are some things we can do to improve how we treat the environment? We look to the Native American culture as role models, all the songs and the the practices and the rituals that honor the earth. And so we find these awesome ways to tie it in and include their voices. So I find fourth and fifth grade is an awesome time to go in there and start these conversations that are really rich. High school, we can do a whole other level of, of conversation and integration. So, and then the adult workshops. It's, you know, it's just so great to be able to work with all these ages. And that's, you know, many of the songs that I teach can be applied to all ages. So when I picked the title for Soul of the Earth, this album, I also, you know, the subtitle is Multicultural Songs for the Circle. These songs are great for all ages. I've taught them to kindergartners, and I've taught them to senior citizens, and I've taught them to people my age, and I've taught them to the high schoolers. And many of these songs are simple and soulful and can apply across the board. I didn't even think about how bold a title that was, because it seems so appropriate, Soul of the Earth. Yes. But you're, you're pulling together a lot of these you know, different traditions and, and plugging them into the course in a way that is, again, it's a beautiful mixture, I think, of local because you're in this room with 10 or 20 or 300 people and you're singing together, but you're also connecting to all these beautiful songs. I'm always infatuated by the universals and the uniqueness, you know? It, it's awesome that we have all these different cultures with the unique, but it's also beautiful that there's so much universal and the singing, it plugs into that universal in a way that, 
gives us chills, you know, it's, it's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And it's interesting too, to realize it doesn't, you know, yeah, it's, we might be singing these other languages. I always try to say, here's what we're actually singing. So people can put that intention in there. Yeah. But, um, song and sound, you know, it's like, that's where it's at. It, you know, it, it's all connected. They call music the universal language for a reason. You know, again, every mm-hmm. single culture, there are songs and there are folk songs and there are songs that have been passed through the generations. And so I think one of my goals is to keep that tradition and some of these songs alive. Can you pick out one more song for us to sample a little bit of? Yeah, let's do... Um, this would be a good time to do Wendy. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, right. the same yeah, way. This like, is you've sung this one before. Yeah, this is so beautiful. And this one is from where? It's Cherokee. Cherokee. Yes, okay. and the translation is I am of the great spirit. And it is so. We say ho, it is so. And it starts off with a nice Native American flute solo. Oh, and it is just very fun to sing. I mean, this one kind of resonates like a gong in your body for the next few hours, I feel. That's right. Yeah, it's a beautiful round. And yeah, you're welcome to sing along. All right, we'll let it play a little bit. Wendy, 
So I, I often, I often when I interview people, I often say, well, if you want to bring a question for me, you can bring a question for me. And so far, no one's brought a question for oh, me. Okay, okay. But uh, do you have a question? For yeah, me? I do. Okay. Yeah. So what inspired you to start the podcast? Well, I feel, I mean, just like you, I feel like I've been on a long journey in search of a vocation. Well, not in search of a vocation, because it, it was the, it maybe is there, but kind of birthing it or letting it blossom. You know, sometimes I, I think of friends who, you know, wanted to, to be a doctor or wanted to be a, a vet or wanted to be a lawyer or wanted to be a house painter, you know, or whatever, you know. Clear and they path. just like, yeah. boom. And there's like, and there's, uh, you know, there are mentors in that field. There's a path. You check the boxes, you go. And there's a beauty to that, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also a beauty and a challenge to paths uh, like ours, mm-hmm. where I think we're trying to maybe rebuild uh, some social institution, uh, rebuild some social spaces, community, really looking at the fact that we have a lot of emotional injury, a lot of anxiety, depression, addiction. That's always touched me personally because I'm very empathetic and I, I just, and I've also experienced my own challenge with anxiety, especially in my 20s. So I think emotional health is really important. And I just, I realize that there are so many small steps we can make as individuals, as families and communities to all kind of uh, heal and be more grounded and not have to lose so many people as we've been losing them to anxiety, depression, addiction, suicide. So that's always been something I'm very passionate about. So I'm really interested in in seeing as these as our institutions like the churches are going down in popularity, how do like in a forest, big old tree falls, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like a big old institution like the church falls, mm-hmm. and now there's all this new terrain for new growth. Mm-hmm. And if it is if, if we're if we're really plugging into the human spirit and the desire to connect and to cook healthy meals and to sing some songs, we just kind of have to help figure out how do we create these spaces. And it's not easy. You didn't come out of uh, undergraduate and be like, boom, I'm going to a community singing workshop later. Right. I mean, it's been a journey. It's and I'm sure there's been some dark nights of the soul. Where you're like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't work? make this, this work. Is happen? Yeah. Like, yeah. And certainly uh, I've had many of those myself. Mm-hmm. And... I just keep on trusting in that calling to engage these topics and to encourage, encourage people, encourage myself and just, yeah, encourage, encourage that, that that growth. Uh, A lot of times in the podcast, I talk about plants and working with plants and understanding, like helping working in this greenhouse outside of Rochester where we had 10,000 nursery. And our goal is how do we raise healthy plants? And how do we raise healthy humans? What do they need? What are the soils the human mm-hmm. needs to grow healthy? Beautiful. Yeah. And how is that? And, and, and the human doesn't just need healthy soils. Mm-hmm. You come into our greenhouse some days and those plants would be all laying on their sides. Like mm-hmm. they'd be dilapidated and dehydrated. And, and you come in, some guy came in and wants what's wrong with you guys? Your plants look horrible. Wow. And we say this is why we don't invite people to the nursery unless you want to teach them a lesson. And the lesson here is our plants are really strong because... We starve them from water, so they have to invest in root. Wow. Just try to plug into these natural processes uh, and just understand there's so much chaos and so much distraction, right? Yes, yeah. So just fo- help finding and creating spaces where we can just calm down, reflect, and engage.
I, I think a lot about the the loss of the Sabbath, the day of rest, mm-hmm. and the loss of that institution and the singing and the reflection on maybe a sermon and the mm-hmm. meals, right? Mm-hmm. So meals, some kind of spiritual, intellectual reflection, and some singing. If, mm-hmm. if we can build that Sabbath back, I think we do a lot to get back to a, a grounded place as a, as a culture. So Absolutely, yeah. I'm just trying to contribute to that process. And having the podcast is great because it gives me an opportunity to share my own research and my study. Mm-hmm. But it also gives me the opportunity to get people like yourself on here who are, I think, doing some great work. And I like to help encourage you and your work and also you know spread, spread the word of what's going on around here. Because there's parallel things happening other places, and it's always exciting to compare notes. Absolutely, yeah. So that's my meandering answer to a supposedly simple question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess I one of the most important things is I feel like a lot of people who might have um, a vision and a calling for the healing are often going to hit the wall because... It's hard when you do things that are not easily commodifiable. And it's also tough commodifying things that we don't necessarily wish to commodify. But if we want, if we want our vocation to be a big part of our time and energy, Mm -hmm. we're also asked a way to, you know, to pay the bills. So this is something that uh, I'm sure a lot of people in our shoes struggle with too, how to do that Mm -hmm. and make that work. So, well, can I share with you? Yes, please do. Just, it's a mantra that I, um, that I started to work with, you know, probably like in my early 20s, you know, because I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I make this all work? And, you know, at the time, you know, whatever, I was doing childcare and waiting tables and, you know, all these things. But I knew, but the calling is about this music and about the healing and about the circles, right? So I started working with a mantra that it was probably suggested partially by Alice McDowell, but I reworded Mm -hmm. it, you know, and I thought, if I'm doing what I'm called to do, I will be provided for. And That's I just powerful. kept saying, yeah. if I'm doing what I'm called to do, and I thought, well, if I'm tuned into this, you know, to a higher guiding force mm-hmm. or an inner guiding force, whatever you want to call it, if I'm tuned into that and it's showing me this direction and there's positive intentions and it's about uplifting and empowering others and bringing people together, you know, why would that force let me starve? You know, so I was yeah. able to kind of come to like, if that's what the guidance is saying, and I'm really tuned in, but step one is like really tune in. What is the guidance yeah. asking of you? But if I'm doing what I'm called to do, I will be provided for. And I think it starts with a thought, you know, just like the thought, get the brain around that. Like examine, can you believe that? Can we buy into it? It makes sense. You know, why would this higher force be instructing us to do this thing if it was just going to let us crash and burn it wants to sustain that positive work in the world yeah. so i definitely worked that mantra and kind of reworked my thoughts around it doesn't mean i st- still didn't have fears and i did certainly have to take baby steps to build you know i have had a private voice practice and that's mm-hmm. you know i work with i do traditional voice lessons and i do more therapeutic style lessons and it all you know that's been a main business for many years for me as i started to branch beyond and go more into the the work together. So I feel like baby steps. And oftentimes when we tune into that guidance, we're shown like the next step only. You know what I mean? It's like, do this, make this phone call, call that person and interview that particular person. Or, you know, so so it's like the baby steps. But I think I what I'm learning still is really the importance of tuning into that higher guidance and then believing. 
you know, believing, you know, like listening to the call, believing, taking the steps, and then again, asking for help, looking to others that can kind of help support the vision and help ground the vision. That's been a big part of my work. I can have visions, but grounding the visions. And it takes, you know, it takes a team, it takes community. And Well, it's also, you, you've, you've done your homework to think about your vocation and feel about your vocation and, you know, tune in to, uh, you know, a higher, for, you know, and mm-hmm. plug into that vocation. But then it's, you're not just like, some people would just start a community singing class and, oh, not enough people showed up. I guess it's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been logging years and years on yes. this. So it's like, you know, some people say, oh, wow, that that's lucky that that person gets to follow the vocation. It's like, no, the beauty of your vocation is you kind of plug into something that is a little fire within. Yes. And you're feeding that kindling. And like, if I feed this kindling, I think yes. it's going to work out for the betterment of and myself people, and society. Yes, yes. And people, you know, when your inner fire is lit, people sense that. Being in your class, you sense that. The singing is great and the community and the space is great. But you also uh, exude a, a joy in that space. And to have a teacher mentor who is in a joyful space really sets a, a very powerful tone. So it just shows you like there is a lot of force to plug into that vocation if we can make it work. That's why it's very exciting and that's why the mentoring others along the vocation, if we could find more ways that people can can follow their vocation with at least part of their week's time, you know, it doesn't yes. have to be a full-time job, of even course. a few hours a week, if you're doing something that you're plugging your vocation and sharing that, it often is very powerful and, 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 and good for the betterment of, of all. Absolutely, yes. And one more thing about your mantra. Say it one more time, the mantra. If I'm doing what I'm called to do, I will be provided for. It's very uh, spiritually sound. It focuses on your intention and following through with good action. And mm-hmm. then kind of just kind of letting, kind of we'll see what happens. You, you do your work and you like drop it in the stream of life and uh, it might be swallowed by a trout. That's right. That's <laughs> or right. it might dump into the lake. Who, who knows? But just kind of... Keep on trusting that. It really is a true, uh, there's a lot of faith to that. Yeah, but I just believe it's the power of the mind. What we believe, what we envision. You know, so if there's mental blocks, mm. you know, it's a, I think I can, and so yeah. I, I think I can't. And so many of us have unconscious and conscious, I think I can'ts going on in the mind. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's also working on that level of believing, belief, and really being aligned. Yeah, it's like if the intuition uh, or the vocational call is a river, a lot of times we have a lot of dams in that river and it's yes. just not flowing. The mind can help us help us move those dams so there's the best chance of that. And the mind can help us strategize, like how could I, you know, because yes. it's not just, you can't just feel the vocation, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be strategic too and how it can make yeah, it work. That's you know? where the thinking mind can serve. Yeah, you gotta make it, you gotta make, have a long-term vision too so it can be something sustainable. Yes. But it, it, it seems like you're building something very sustainable and uh, it's very exciting and it's really been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. We'll have to get you back on here again soon. Uh, there's a lot of great things we covered and I'm very excited to, uh, to share this interview with the podcast community. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. It's been a, a pleasure. Thank you.